This is Women of Grace Live, discussing issues important to your life and faith. Spiritual insight, practical wisdom. Join us as we transform the world one woman at a time. Women of Grace, for such a time as this. Now, here's your host, Johnette Williams. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women of Grace Live. I'm Johnette Williams, so very happy to be with you today. Certainly do love spending this time with you Monday through Friday as we discuss issues of importance to your life and your faith. You know, here we are together, right? Here we are together. And what are we about? Well, we are about this pilgrim journey to heaven. Each one of us being called by God into existence for one reason only, and that is to spend all eternity with him in heaven. And so, you know, as we come together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our quest is for that. Our hope is that we together achieve that great purpose to which we are called, and that is life on high in Christ Jesus. And one of the ways in which we do that is by realizing that we don't do it alone. We do it with each other. This is why Jesus founded a community. The very first thing that he did when he began his public ministry was to found a community of persons, this coming together as the mystical body of Christ, working toward our own salvation, but also with an eye to the salvation of others. And that's what evangelization is all about. And we live to do that here on Women of Grace Live and through all of the efforts of Women of Grace. We've got lots of efforts through Women of Grace, and this is why I encourage you to get out there to our website, womenofgrace.com, and to see what we offer. Uh, is it is it is it uh, something that, that uh, we choose to do for ourselves? No, it's something that we choose to do for others. Uh, and, and in doing that, you know, we too grow unto that holiness and perfection that God calls us to uh, begin the process to experience and to explore together. So all of that being said, these works for the Lord are really and truly works for the salvation of souls because that is the Lord's work <laughs> and that's what he desires. So I invite you to listen to us uh, Monday through Friday right here uh, on this same station as we discuss issues of importance to your life and your faith. We look forward to hearing from you here at Women of Grace Live and to that end, we share our uh, toll-free number for you. But I do want you to be aware of the fact that after 4 p.m., that toll-free number becomes for you a, a listener comment line where you can leave a question or a comment, an insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement for us, and we will address it on special shows. Today is one of those days. This is a special show, and we're dipping into those listener comment calls, uh, looking at what it is that's in your mind and on your heart so that uh, together, again, we can explore these great truths of the faith. So now, I want you to use this number, but not today to call in, but I'd like for you to use it in the future to leave a comment for us, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That's the way that you can join us here when we uh, are live for you and taking those live calls, but on the days when we dip into our listener comment call, that is the number that you use to leave that comment for us. Do want to let you know, too, that you can send a comment or a question, insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement to us by way of our email address. It's simply this, womenofgrace at ewtn.com. That's womenofgrace at ewtn.com. So I invite you to check it all out. Uh, lots of things going on, as I was sharing with you at Women of Grace, uh, as we uh, continue to uh, go forward in this mission of evangelization that God's entrusted to us, uh, hoping to help transform the world one woman at a time. That is our goal. That is our mission. I know it's a big one. I know it is. But you know what? 
If we don't set out, it's never going to be accomplished. So we set out with the light that we have and we move forward as that light continues to reveal each step. And as we move forward, we see that, yes, you know, God is working. He is working for the good of his people. And sometimes he takes those humble efforts that we offer and he uses them uh, for the greatest good of all. And that is the salvation of a soul, uh, which always, always, always uh, is is for his honor and his glory. Yeah. So I want to tell you a cup, about a couple of things that are coming up. Uh, very excited to tell you that this weekend I'm going to be in State College, Pennsylvania. Yes, I am. I'm so excited about it. Going back to Nittany Lion Land. I just have to say that I that is my alma mater. Many of you know that already. Haven't been back there in, oh my goodness sakes, just way so very many years, 30 some years. I haven't been back there in that length of time. Uh, eager to see what the campus looks like now in comparison to how it looked like then, which I looked at in comparison to how it looked (laughs) like when I graduated from there. Uh, Very different, uh, very much grown up in so very, very many ways. Uh, Eager to walk through the town there. I did a little uh, poking around on the internet and I found that uh, some of uh, my favorite places are still there. One or two of them, not so much. But all of that being said, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a trip down memory lane for me. But that's not really why I'm going. (laughs) I'm not going for that reason. I am going there. to be present at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church right there in State College. I am so excited about this. On Friday evening, I'm going to be presenting to uh, the the parish. Uh, you know, all of the parishioners are welcome to come, men and women. It's thriving as a Catholic in a post-truth culture. That's the culture we're living in, friends. And, you know, these college campuses often you know, sort of serve, you know, as the uh, personification of the fact that it's a post-truth culture, if we can uh, name it that way. Uh, they illustrate it for us. Uh, and I can remember all the years back when I was at university, uh, you know, the zeitgeist was very well present at that time, not only on the college campus uh, creating havoc, but in addition to that, in our college classrooms. And there was a an ethos that was being presented by many of the academic elites that was very, uh, what would I say, very um, anti might be too strong, but not so much uh, Judeo-Christian ethos. Uh, so we were hearing all kinds of different things. And uh, students, of course, um, were open to those kinds of, of thought processes at that time. Uh, you know how it is when you're in college, you're an explorer, you're a discoverer. Uh, you're you're there. Oftentimes, you're there simply because you want a brighter future. But um, there is that element of inquiry and introspection, all of which is a good thing. All of which is a good thing, as long as there are rudders on the road that keep you from straying off into nefarious paths. Uh, so, so many uh, students fell victim to that in the day and time. And uh, if you know my story, you know that I'm one of them. All of that being said, praise be to God that his mercy endures forever, and he calls us back into relationship with him. So I'm going to be up there talking about, you know, thriving as a Catholic in a post-truth culture right there at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church Friday evening, and uh, looking forward to anyone who is up in that area to join us for this beautiful, beautiful opportunity. The next day is a day for women, uh, which, you know, I'm always excited about these days for women. Someday I'll tell you the story of how all of this... uh, developed with regard to 
this this interest in in the feminine reality. But uh, we're going to be talking with uh, these beautiful daughters that are going to gather there, and we have a beautiful theme for them. And that theme is um, "Who is Woman? Our Special Call and Mission in a Challenging World." We know the world is a challenging world, uh, but we as women have a special call and a special mission. So we'll be talking about that in the morning. In the afternoon, we'll be talking about executing that mission to which we're called. Uh, I'll be giving some steps to success, uh, S-U-C-C-E-S-S. It will be an acronym for us, and we will dip into what it reveals to us about a successful way to execute the mission, which truly does apply to every mission, but in a very particular way and with an emphasis, uh, as as I'll bring out in our discussion, on uh, our mission as Catholic women in the world today. So I'm hoping it's going to be very useful, uh, very um, practical in, in, in certain dimensions, but also inspiring. I really want to inspire hearts to get out there and do it all for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Coming right back after the break, inviting you to stay with us right here on Women of Grace Live. We're dipping into our listener comment caller line today. Johnette is taking your phone calls. 1-833-288-EWTN. 1-833-288-3986. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are hey, so Jeanette. eager. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Scratch that. I didn't mean to do taking your phone calls. Oh, yeah, that was, that well, was, not we're good. not doing that. Let me just give you music only. <laughs> okay. Here we come. I'm sorry. All right. That's quite all right. Well, welcome back, friends. You're listening to Women of Grace live on this special special listener comment day. We're taking all of your comments that you've left for us on our listener comment caller line today. Uh, I don't think that we'll get through all of them because there's bunches of them, but we're going to wade our way through most of them to the extent that we have time, and I'm eager to get to that. But I was telling you a little bit about uh, our upcoming events uh, at Women of Grace, and I was mentioning to you about this weekend where I will be in State College, Pennsylvania at Our Lady of Victory Catholic. Catholic Church presenting Friday evening and then again on Saturday. Saturday is just for women. Friday evening is for the entire parish. And I suppose that it's open to the general public as well. Get out there to our website, womenofgrace.com, and you can register there. Don't think it's too late. I don't really know, but uh, let's just take a stab at it. I'd love to see you there. If you uh, do come, please come up and let me know that you heard about it right here on Catholic Radio. In addition to that, I want to let you know that we've got all kinds of beautiful things going on. As we enter into this Lenten season, uh, we really do have uh, two beautiful webinars. The first one uh, is going uh, to begin on, uh, is going to be on, uh, what date is it? Let me just pull it up here. I'm looking for it, looking for it. Uh, It's going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a a look at at a great, beautiful, blessed of the church, blessed Conchita. And Father, uh, Father Jordi uh, Rivero is going to be taking us into her life, but into her spirituality. And this is going to be a webinar. It is a kickoff webinar for a book study that's going to begin on March the uh, 4th. And uh, this beautiful webinar with Father Jordi Rivero, Seasons of the Soul, uh, is what we'll be discussing. It's a book by Conchita, Blessed Conchita, a, a lovely book, uh, 
we're going to be studying that as a book study with Sue Brinkman. But Father Jordy is going to uh, send us off uh, on this on this beautiful exploration of this spirituality through this online webinar that is going to be on Monday evening, February the 19th. Monday evening, February 19th, two hours, or an hour and a half, 7.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. 7.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It is going to, I think, really open our eyes to uh, the mysticism of this beautiful saint, but also give us ways in which we can enter into this deeper relationship with our Lord, all about those kinds of things. So we're excited about this, very excited. I'm very, very pleased that Father Jordi accepted our invitation. Father Jordi is a, a, a wonderful priest of God. Um, Mother Angelica knew him. He had been to the network several times. Who knows? Maybe I can get him back up here. I would love that very much. Uh, but all of that being said, you have an opportunity to meet him on, on February the 19th from 7.30 p.m. Eastern to 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern uh, as he does this online uh, webinar for us. It's a kickoff for a book study. Now, you can come to the webinar without wanting to take the book study, but I'd love for you to do both, and that book study will begin on March the 4th. On February 27th, another beautiful webinar for you, and I think that this is uh, just uh, you know as perfect as the other one is for our entry into this uh, Lenten season that begins, you know, has begun actually. Uh, what a wonderful thing. And, and this online webinar with Father Chris Alar uh, is uh, regarding the Divine Mercy image. It's Dive into the Divine Mercy image, a deep exploration. Uh, you know, there is so much about this image that is not explored when we talk about what its overall message is. But to go into it in great detail uh, really opens our eyes uh, to the beautiful gift that God gives us by way of this divine mercy image. Of course, the divine mercy himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, who uh, through many visitations uh, to St. Faustina imparted to us, uh, you know, great insight regarding his mercy. Well, this image is chock full of, what do I want to say? Beautiful uh, uh, symbolism, if you will, uh, that demonstrates to us this, this great, great uh, gift that is ours by way of the divine mercy of God given to us through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want for you to join us for this. I think you're going to be just enthralled by what he says. Again, that is going to be on February 27th, 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. So this is a two-hour exploration with Father Chris. Uh, there'll be time for questions and answers. Uh, the information is at our website, womenofgrace.com. Well, I've given you a whole lot of ideas about some of the things that we do at Women of Grace, but I I haven't told you everything. Of course, we have our foundational study and I'm always inviting you to join us for that. Uh, but all kinds of good things like our Benedicta Institute for Women that's coming up in April and immersive if you have any desire whatsoever to uh, be spiritually enriched and potentially, if you desire to uh, to acquire a certification in Catholic women's leadership, we're going to help you to do that. So I invite you to get out there and read about that. But right now, I want to get to those uh, beautiful calls that have been left for us. Uh, Rich Jesse is with us, and he is our producer, and he is going to be pulling them up for us. So let's head off into the deep, uh, Rich this is Mary Jo from Virginia. My question is this. In the Apostles' Creed, um, uh, Christ is said to have descended into hell, uh, and then on the third day he rose. Can you d discuss the concept of him descending into hell, the how and the why of it? I'm just puzzled by that. Thank you. 
Well, thank you, Joanne. And and I think it's important to understand uh, how these, this word is being used in the context in which this word hell is being used. Also remember that uh, the, these prayers are, are, are translated for us. And so uh, there are a lot of references to this place where holy souls were being wait, uh, were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. You know, it, it, it's interesting to consider the fact that here we have all of these patriarchs, all of these holy men, as well as matriarchs, holy women, who pro, uh, preceded our Lord in time, one of whom was his uh, father on earth, St. Joseph, right? So what happened to all of those people? What happened to all of these righteous men? What happened to all of these righteous women, all of these just men, all of these just women? I mean, you know, since Jesus hadn't come again, well, were they consigned to the, to the fiery pit of hell? No. They were waiting in a place called Sheol. And Sheol, you know, was was uh, referred to in sacred scripture in, in various places. But but what Jesus uh, did after his passion and death, uh, you know, what uh, church teaches us is that he descended into Sheol. Uh, it was hell because they were separated from God in that sense, hell. It was not a place of eternal punishment as we know hell to be, a place of damnation. These souls were not damned. Uh, the, these souls were in a waiting pattern, so to speak, you know, uh, for the gates of heaven to open. You might think of it, uh, you know, if you've ever been on a plane and you've been in a uh, you know, a holding pattern in the sky. You know, there's no gate available yet <laughs> at the airport. Uh, so they have you just kind of circling around waiting. Well, these souls are waiting. Uh, you know, there's a beautiful poem out there. And if I had time to, to pull it up, I would read it to you. But it's a beautiful poem. Oh, my goodness, it touches me so deeply. Sometimes I, I read it uh, on the air. I've read it in the past. And it's about these souls were waiting. They were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And, and they were doing what they had done on earth. They were singing praises to God, right? They were singing praises to God. Uh, so there they were. Jesus now, they're the first to receive, <laughs> they're the first to receive, I, I guess you could say, the first fruits of, 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 uh, of his redemption. Uh, he, he, they, they, they waited, he, he went, uh, heaven's gates were opened uh, as, as he hung upon that cross, right? I, the, the gates of heaven are open for them, and uh, they, they experience the fullness of, of life in the Redeemer, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when we say he descended into hell on the third day, he rose again from the dead. That's, that's what he was doing. That's where he was. That's what was taking place. Uh, certainly, you know, I, I think that that's in keeping with an understanding of, of the humanity of our Lord, but also uh, his, his, his uh, godliness, right? He is true God and true God, uh, true man, right? Uh, so, it, you know, in his, in his physicality, that soul is separated from the body. This is what's going on there. And then, of course, the resurrection happens. Uh, you know, I don't know when the resurrection happened. I don't know if it happened right before Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. I don't know if it happened instantly, you know, uh, after he was placed in the tomb and he went there. I don't know. But what I do know is is that uh, that is is the teaching of the church with regard to that. So every time you pray it, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, there are some translations that don't say hell. There are some translations that say he descended to the dead 
On the third day, he rose again, according to the scriptures, right? So, the, you know, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. So there, there is that, uh, you know, that, that is uh, another interpretation uh, for that particular uh, word. So I think of it in that context if it troubles you, uh, but uh, certainly Jesus did not descend uh, to a place of damnation. So there you have it. I hope that that helps you, Joanne. Uh, God bless you, and thank you for calling us and leaving a message for us on our listener comment caller line. As I mentioned to you earlier, friends, uh, our call-in number after 4 p.m. Eastern time becomes that comment line. That's 833-288-EWTN. Don't call in today. Uh, we are spending the entire program going into those uh, calls and comments that were left for us there. So we've got another one, Rich. Hello, this is Charles from St. Charles, Missouri, with Covenant Network, and I'm listening to Woman of Grace, and I enjoy this show. I enjoy the uh, commentator. I was wondering what Jesus meant when he said to the devil, you have no power here. Mm, Just wondered about that. I appreciate your show. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, thank you, Charles, for calling in, and thank you for calling in from Covenant Radio. A shout-out to all of the good people there. Thank you for carrying our program. I do want to talk with you for a moment, uh, Charles, about this this whole concept. When uh, Jesus says to the devil, you have no power here, the the devil has no power over our Lord Jesus Christ. No power whatsoever. Uh, You know, he cannot do anything to Jesus because he is true God, true man. However, Jesus allows himself to be abused uh, through the devilish, uh, devilish behaviors of the people of his day and time, people who were influenced by the devil and caused him harm because he was the suffering servant. And he knew, he knew what his call was. He knew what his mission was. He knew who he was. He knew that he was the Messiah. So when he says that to the devil, uh, he's reminding him of the fact that he has no power over him. Uh, Only the power that God gives to the devil, does the devil have power? Uh, And remember this, you know, it's an interesting thing. Sometimes we are very tempted to equate the power of God uh, with the power of the devil and say that the the devil is equal in power to God. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Remember who the devil is. He's a fallen angel. Uh, He was Lucifer, uh, one of the angels created by God. Uh, some of the theologians tell us that he was a seraphim, which is the highest choir of the angels, right? Uh, the highest, uh, 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 you know, creature that most images God. Uh, Lucifer means angel of light. So he was a beautiful angel, majestic angel, maybe, maybe the highest in all of the, of, of all of the seraphim, reflecting the glory of God the most of all. And in his pride, he fell. He fell. He was not going to bend a knee to the word made flesh. He was not going to bend a knee to the mother of the word made flesh. And in his pride, he fell and he took a third. It says a third of the angels with him, which really is a reference, uh, you know, uh, uh, to the fact that there's an infinitude of angels out there. How many angels? What is a third? We don't know because there's an infinitesimal number of angels. It was a great many. Uh, that is what scripture is communicating to us. It was a great many. Uh, but in, in the reality of who he is, a creature created by God, 
it lets you know right away that his power is not equal to God. Uh, but God will not, God will absolutely not trespass free will. And one of the ways in which the uh, angels uh, uh, are reflective of God is that he's given them free will. One of the ways in which you and, and, and I, Charles, reflect God is the fact that he's given us free will. Another way is through our intellect, the capacity that, that we can reason uh, and that we have self-consciousness, right? So all of these things, you know, that when it says in, in Genesis 1 verse 26, um, in the divine image, he created uh, him, male and female, he created them. When, when that's being expressed, he created us in his image. So we image God in that way. The angels image God in that way as well. Uh, they have powers that we don't have. So we respect both, of course, our, 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 our guardian angels and those angels that remain faithful to God. But there has to be a healthy respect for the power of the evil one as well, knowing that he's stronger than us, but he is not stronger than God and uh, because he's a creature. And so <clears throat> when Jesus says to him, Jesus, true God and true man, when he says to him, you have no power here, the evil one has no power over, uh, over uh, Jesus, nor does he have any power um, over his church. Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against her. And he doesn't have any power over us either, Charles, unless we give him power. And we give him power when we are living an ungodly life or when we are living a marginal life, a marginal life in the Lord. Remember what it says in scripture about that, the lukewarm will be vomited out of the mouth of God. We don't want to be marginal Christians. Ugh, glory, that puts us in a bad place. We want to be full-hearted Christians, sold out completely, constantly open to the movement of grace in us that leads us to purification and sanctification and helps us to conform to the will of God. We're not perfect, but we should be striving for perfection, striving for perfection and never stopping and never resting upon the laurel of I'm good enough. Oh, what a false, oh my gosh, if there was a, if there was a trap of the evil one, it's that mentality. I am good enough. I am good enough. So uh, why does God uh, allow the evil one to operate at all then? Well, he allows the evil one to operate to the extent that it is useful for his purposes. So the point being that, remember what it says in Romans 8, 28, for God works all things to the good for those who are called according to his purposes. All does not exclude the machinations of the evil one. I hope you heard that. All does not exclude the machinations of the evil one. So God will use temptation for our sanctification and growth in virtue, resistance of temptation leads us to greater virtue, yields greater purification and sanctification as we grow in virtue. And in addition to that, he will allow the evil one uh, even to have sway because he will not trespass the evil one's free will. God is not a trespasser. So, but when the evil one thwarts man's path uh, through uh, various kinds of of, of uh, activities uh, that he incites others to do against us or uh, raising up uh, wars, you know, rumors of wars and wars themselves. Uh, when he permits him to do that, it's because God is going to use that to work a greater good than could have been worked had that not occurred or to prevent an even worse situation from happening. Those are the two reasons why God uh, allows evil, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. 
So Jesus is reminding the devil of who the devil is, a creature created by God, certainly not created evilly, evil chosen by the devil, but the devil in no way stronger than God. Hope that helps you, Charles, and thanks for listening to us there on Covenant Radio. We're going to go to a break. We're coming right back after the break, dipping more into our listener comment caller calls that have been left for us there. You're listening to Women of Grace Live. I'm Johnette Williams. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Women of Grace Live. I'm Johnette Williams. Today is one of those days when we are dipping into our listener comment caller bag. <laughs> All right? So we've got a bank of calls that are there for us, a uh, bag full of them, really, uh, that uh, you have left for us. And I'm always happy when you do that. Uh, I love to spend a day like this just getting into the questions and having an opportunity to dig a little bit more deeply into them than I sometimes have time to do when we're taking your calls live. Uh, but I want you to know that that listener uh, comment caller phone number is the same as the one that you use to call in live. Uh, it, it becomes that comment line after 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 833-288-EWTN is the way that you can join us. Do want to spend a moment before we go to the next call just sharing with you about a couple of more things that we're offering you through Women of Grace. Listen, I want to tell you, you know, uh, God is doing great things in the world today. We look out and all we see is bleakness, but that's not the way that it is. I mean, it is bleak. I'm not denying the uh, day and time in which we live. Uh, you know, Catholics are, are not uh, deniers of, of reality. Uh, we are realists to the core, should be realists to the core. But we do have an ideal, and that ideal is our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're idealistic in the sense that we rely on God for all things. And we know that no matter how it looks out there, God is working it to the good. No matter how it looks in your personal life, God is working it to the good, right? Now, what is our call and mission? Well, our call and mission is to remain steadfast. Our call and mission is to be who it is that God calls us to be. And, and what is that? Who is that? It's a more than conquer in Christ Jesus. Our call and mission is not to flag, not to flag on our journey to purification and sanctification, not to flag on our journey to eternal life. We are called to stay the course. Uh, there's a virtue uh, that, 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 that tells us exactly what that is. And that virtue is the virtue of perseverance. Another virtue, constancy. Those two virtues, perseverance and constancy, perseverance and constancy, perseverance and constancy. What does that do? Uh, you know, that helps us to stay the course that no matter what the situation is, the circumstances, the reversal in life, the trouble, no matter the travail that we see in our corporate life together as the people of God journeying through this particular moment in time, we are not going to allow ourselves to to cave. The evil one wants us to cave. We are not going to cave. We are going to stand firm and make progress one step at a time, not worrying about the next step, only taking the step in front of us when it's time for the next step. God will shed light on it and we'll take that one. But for the period of time in which we live, we take our way one step at a time. And that is the way that we go the distance, friends. That is the way that we go the distance. Constancy, perseverance, staying the course one step at a time. 
can't give you any better advice. I can't give you any better counsel than that. Is it easy? No. Where does it say in scripture it's going to be easy? It isn't going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But one of the ways in which we are able to grow in perseverance and constancy is by way of digging more deeply into our Catholic faith and digging more deeply into our life in Christ Jesus. Uh, You know, we're all called to mission. Uh, Women of Grace's mission is to transform the world one woman at a time. We are about the business of of hopefully forming and shaping strong Catholic women uh, after the image of our Blessed Lady, uh, exemplified, uh, you know, by so many of the saints. We're called to be those saints who exemplify the reality of our Blessed Lady in this our day and time, uh, always staying the course and never flagging. We want to train up Catholic women leaders that, 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 that by their own witness— And by it is what they do within the context of their own lives. They become a beacon of light pointing others in the way in which they should go. We have a very special program uh, that is being relaunched this April. It is our Benedicta Institute for Women. Uh, We are going to be gathering at Our Lady of Florida Spiritual Center on the east coast of Florida uh, in North Palm Beach uh, the week of April the 22nd. We're going to be there through the 28th. Uh, It is a week-long immersive and exploration of Who is Woman? The Journey from Eve to Mary. We're going to be looking at that uh, with a, a great deal of, of, of um, I think, um, uh, insight that will be given to us by the, uh, our teacher, our instructor, uh, Dr. Donald Wallenfang. He is a third order Carmelite. He is a, a, a PhD in theology and philosophy. Uh, in addition to that, he teaches at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. He is the academic advisor for our Benedicta Institute. We're outrageously delighted uh, that he is with us and so excited to present him to you. So if anything that I say to you about this call and mission for women today excites you on on some level, uh, I I do hope that you will check this out. The information is available for you at our website. Uh, We can uh, talk with you more on the phone. Uh, We have uh, a, a great number of, well, when I say a great number, a good handful of women who have signed up already, and we're hoping that you will join them. Uh, So find out about it there. Uh, May I say that uh, our spiritual advisor for Women of Grace is going to be with us too that week, and that is Bishop William Walterscheid of uh, the Diocese of Pittsburgh. He's going to be spending that week with us. He will be presenting uh, to us in the evening, uh, you know, (laughs) what do I, many morsels of truth. Oh my goodness, I kind of like that, right? (laughs) Especially because he'll be doing it during our dinner hour. (laughs) Oh my goodness, sometimes I just crack myself up. Anyway, all that being said, it's going to be really a a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. I'm going to be there as a student. I'll be interacting, but I won't be presenting. Uh, But uh, we'll be interacting together as as a group and as a body. Uh, It's going to be a lovely, lovely thing. So get out there and read all about it. All right, all that being said, it is time for us to get back to those listener comment calls that were left for us. Let's go, Rich. Hey, this is Franco from McHenry, Illinois. My question is, could Jesus find him in him to forgive the devil? That's it. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) 
Well, Franco, thank you so very much for your call today. This is a question that comes up oftentimes, like, you know, well, why doesn't Jesus save the devil? Well, he can't save the devil. And I'm going to tell you why. The devil doesn't want to be saved, number one. Number two, uh, you know, we, we don't quite understand uh, the, the, the depth of knowledge that an angel has. Uh, we kind of equate uh, ourselves to angels or angels to ourselves uh, in, in terms of these faculties that, that we have. Uh, but the angel's intelligence is something well beyond anything that we can begin to imagine uh, or really even hope for. Uh, when, when God created the angels, he gave them the entirety of knowledge that they needed to have for their mission. They knew everything, right? They knew everything. Uh, so uh, about that which God was, was calling them to do and who God was calling them to be. Uh, so they knew that they were given the, the privy of God's plan. And so what the evil one rejected at that moment, what Lucifer, who wasn't, uh, you know, evil until he rejected it, what Lucifer rejected was that plan of God that he knew intimately with full knowledge, with full knowledge. I mean, full knowledge is something that, you know, I, you know, in order to sin, we have to have full knowledge. We have to know what it is that we're doing. Satan had that to a degree that we can't even begin to, to relate to or to imagine. When he said no to God, because of this knowledge, because of this full knowledge, he had, he had, he had vistas of understanding, uh, depths of understanding that we couldn't begin to imagine. He said no totally, completely, and eternally. So the devil basically uh, concretized, if you will, with full knowledge that which he was doing when he rejected God and the plan of God. For the devil, therefore, there is no hope of salvation uh, for the devil, the, the mercy of God, should the mercy of God reach out to him, could not reach him because he is confirmed. He is confirmed in his deviltry. He is confirmed, if you will, in his, in his uh, decision against God. He is confirmed in, in his antithesis of God. So that being said, uh, you know, that's the way that it is, right? Now, and let me tell you this. So it is with every damned soul right? Every soul that has entered damnation has entered there of his own volition and his own free will. And we say, well, how could that possibly be? Well, let's just look at the world of man today. Let's just look at what's going on. Let's just looking at, look at what's going on with terrorist groups like Hamas. Let's look at what's going on with, with cartels like we see invading our nation. Let's just look at what's going on with, with uh, sex trafficking. Look at all of those things. These people are, are, are of, of their own uh, will, those that are doing this of their own will, those that are doing this of their own will are confirming themselves in evil. Now, the fact of the matter is, for human persons, there is always God's mercy available until this person makes the ultimate decision against God and, and stays that way through death. But we, we shouldn't have any, any kind of, of uh, you know, uh, misgivings about this reality. Uh, we shouldn't uh, uh, have any kind of misunderstanding about this reality. Uh, this is chosen. This is chosen behavior. And when we choose to do evil and refuse to repent, we are making an eternal decision. So let me just say, I don't want to miss an opportunity here. 
If you are living in mortal sin, if you are living outside of the commandments of God, you are confirming yourself in evil. God isn't confirming you in evil. You are making a decision to remain in evil. And so Paul, last breath leaves our body until our soul separates and we're done for. The call is always to repentance. Repentance. Metanoia. Turning our back on evil and turning toward the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. So think about it. Eternal consequences come from decisions that we make every day for the good or for the bad. We want to make them for the good. We want to move forward in our life in Christ. And so I'm reaching out to you today, inviting you, if you are in mortal sin, get out of it. Get out of it while there is time. And don't return to it. Affirm purpose of amendment. Don't return to it. There is hope. And hope has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. There is hope. Turn to him. Receive the grace. Move forward. Out of sin. Out of darkness. Into wholeness and truth and light. Okay, I hope that helps you. Uh, next, next question there, Rich. This is Nancy from Pennsylvania, and I am asking a question about original sin. How does that work for a little baby, a brand new baby that's never, you know, been in this world? How do they have original sin that we have to baptize them to get rid of it? Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. You know, that's a really good question. And thank you for asking it today. Uh, you know, I, I just love when there is a, a, a desire uh, that is expressed through a curiosity to learn more about the truths that the church teaches us. And, you know, and that sacred scripture itself teaches us. I, I, I'd love for you to dip into the catechism of the Catholic Church. So if you don't have one, Nancy, I want to encourage you to get one. Uh, this this uh, beautiful catechism that is ours is not difficult to understand. It's not esoteric, right? Um, it is there for us. Uh, it's clear. It's plain. It opens up for us, uh, you know, uh, an entrance into the deep mysteries that have to do with life in Christ Jesus. So, uh, you know, I want to encourage you to do that. But but I want to, I, I want to remind you of, of what original sin is. Is. Original sin uh, is the is the original uh, break of union uh, between God and man that occurred in the garden. Uh, man was not created with original sin. Man was created pure and holy. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's interesting to note that you know both Adam and Eve were full of grace uh, in the garden. And, uh, you know, they, <laughs> if the angel Gabriel would have appeared to them, the angel Gabriel could have said, <laughs> Greek for full of grace. He could have named them that. They were full of grace. But unfortunately, they fell victim to the wily tactics of the evil one. Uh, we were talking about the devil. He, he's very clever. He's very bright. He's the brightest of all of the angels that ever were. Uh, he's outrageously brilliant. And, and he knows how to get to man. He knows how to get to each one of us. He doesn't know our thoughts and our, our, you know, what's in our heart, but he certainly does observe our actions. He knows where we're weak. 
Um, he knows exactly how to get there. And that's exactly what happened uh, in, in the garden there. Um, he, he, he prevailed upon Eve uh, and she succumbed. And original sin did not enter then. Uh, original sin did enter and original sin entered in through Adam because he had been given dominion over the garden and he failed to protect his wife from uh, this craziness that was going on in the garden that day. I don't know what he was doing. He was there. Uh, but that being said, uh, <clears throat> original sin entered with him. Uh, when he sinned, when he uh, took of the fruit uh, that God had said, you shall not eat of it lest you die. And so uh, when that happened, it says in scripture in uh, Genesis um, 3 verse 6, then the eyes of both of them were opened, both being Adam and Eve, and they saw that they were naked and they sewed together fig leaves uh, for themselves. And then they went and they hid in the bushes because they were afraid of God. So that's what happened there. So that original sin that original sin uh, manifested in our lives by a tendency towards concupiscence, meaning that we are weak and frail people as a result of this inherited uh, reality from our first parents, goes down through the generations. It goes down from the first man and woman all the way to the present day and to every little baby that's born. So that little baby comes into the world made by God, of course, made in his image and likeness, yes, but nonetheless frail in its spiritual condition, weakened because of original sin. Uh, an original sin uh, left, you know, to 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 remain there uh, uh, will continue to influence that child in nefarious ways, and ultimately impact the, the child's capacity for uh, redemption. So, what we want to do when our child is born is to use the remedy that Jesus gave us, and that remedy is the sacrament of baptism. Remember that it, baptism is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give us grace. Baptism as a sacrament, not as a ritual that that uh, was was symbolic of, but as a sacrament that was efficacious and causes to happen that which it signifies happened at the moment of the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ in the river by John the Baptist. You'll recall that the Holy Spirit uh, came down upon Jesus. Uh, the the um, It was a theophany, really. The Holy Spirit came down on, on, on Jesus, and, and the clouds parted, and we heard the voice of God, and God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Right? You remember that. And so that being said, here we are in this moment where Jesus is baptized and he, uh, he now is not just baptized by the water of John the Baptist, but he's baptized uh, by, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit who descends, right? Uh, so this is what happens when a child is baptized and all sin is removed. For a person who comes into the faith, through the RCIA program, who was never baptized, when they are baptized, all of the sins of their life, inclusive of original sin, are forgiven. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what a great grace is ours, right? All of his sins are gone. Uh, so it's an amazing thing. So this is why we baptize our children as soon as we can baptize them. This is why it's so foolhardy for parents to say, well, I'm going to wait and let my child decide for himself. What? Don't you love this child? Don't you want the best for this child? Aren't you looking to the eternal welfare of your child, which is the best for your child? 
then you're going to do this as soon as you possibly can do it. It used to be customary that a child was baptized within the first two weeks of his or her birth. Now parents wait. I don't know why. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Get your baby baptized. And then that little baby is not just a cute little baby. That little baby is a living saint cuddled in your arms. (laughs) Most likely the holiest in your household because the child's just completely redeemed and filled with grace, full of grace. There's, there's a full of grace in your house. So all of that being said, um, that's, that's the answer to your question. But I, I do encourage you to get out there and read the catechism because, as I say, you know, th- these, these truths of the faith, we can, we can read these mysteries and then take them into our time of prayer and ask our Lord to confirm us in those mysteries, right? Uh, you know, and that's the other sacrament. Uh, that was given to us at that moment when Jesus was baptized, the sacrament of confirmation. He was confirmed in the glory of God. You know, he had it all along, but this is a this is like a an institution. This is Jesus being made ready for his public ministry, right? Because he's true God, true man, <clears throat> showing us, you know, uh, what it is that we should do. And we are called, as the Father says, to listen to him, to listen to him. So we baptize. This is this is the rationale for infant baptism, you know. You know, I, I, you know, I, I just think that graveyards are filled with people who have never been baptized, and it's like it's heartbreaking. It's truly, truly heartbreaking. Um, you know, how God will judge those souls is is up to God to judge those souls. We just know what Holy Mother Church teaches us, and we heed the counsel of Holy Mother Church. Um, you know, we we want these children uh, to be. Uh, the little saints that God's called them to be. Confirmation, what does that do? It strengthens us in our baptismal graces and the gifts that we receive. It strengthens us. And that's the other thing. You know, the Eastern uh, the Eastern rites of our church. Now, the Eastern rites, I'm not talking about Eastern Orthodoxy, although I'm sure that they do this too, but I'm talking about those Eastern rites that are underneath our Holy Father, the Byzantine rite of the church, the Maronite rite of the church. The, uh, um, I, I think... Uh, uh, the, the, the Malkite, well, I, I'm sure of the Malkite rite of the church. There's a whole bunch of rites of the church. Uh, I'm not naming them all. I'm just giving you some. Uh, but but uh, they baptize and confirm babies at the same time. Because why don't we want to strengthen what we've received? Why do we want to wait till the kid's 14 years old, subject to the world, 13 years old, subject to the world? Oftentimes already so influenced by the world that they're living immoral lives. Why do we want to wait? Why don't we want to strengthen them in those graces immediately? I mean, that's what they did in the early church. That's one practice that we, I think, need to take a look at. It just, it, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't get it. The age of reason is seven. They shouldn't, you know, after that, that's when we become liable uh, for for our sin, according to the church, they say the age of reason is usually around seven. I think in some cases it's younger than that, but you know, in some cases it might be older than that. I don't know, but that's the mean that they use is is seven. So you know, don't we want to confirm our kids at least by seven? You know, I, we don't want them to be sinners. You know, I don't know. Anyway, that's what I do know. <laughs> so I hope that helps you. Well, I think we're getting really close. Uh, at this point in time, I don't know that we've got time for another caller. 
Yikes. Well, th- these days go so fast. I think I talk a lot. Maybe that's how, maybe that's it. So what I want you to do is to get out there to EWTN's Religious Catalog and see all of the great holy reminders that are available for you there. I invite you to take advantage of them. Remember what Mother Angelica said, these holy reminders are remind us about what? Remind us about who we are in Christ Jesus and who we're called to be. Uh, so fill your home with holy reminders. I want you to get out to our website, womenofgrace.com. Uh, please do join us for some of these upcoming events. The two webinars that are happening later this month, they're online, so excited about them. Uh, In addition to that, we'd love for you to join us, ladies, at the Benedicta Institute for Women. Get out there and check it out. Uh, You know, I'm going to tell you, uh, anything that you do for the glory and honor of God is abundantly rewarded in ways that just defy your imagination and my imagination, too. I want you to join us for a Women of Grace foundational study. If you haven't, let's see what we can do together for the glory and honor of God. It's been great being with you today. Going to be back with you again tomorrow. Until we have that opportunity, may the abundant life of Jesus Christ be yours. And God bless you now. Bye.